At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. People think it messes up their metabolism, which it doesn't. Basically, when someone loses weight, their metabolic rate, which is their calorie needs, goes down, but it goes down the same with any diet. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 263. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hey, veggie lover, welcome to another episode in the fasting series. Now this series is intended to provide education about the potential health and longevity benefits of different forms of fasting, including time-restricted eating, intermittent fasting, and extended water-only fasting. Please be aware that in this series, we will be discussing different forms of fasting and food restriction. And in some cases, there will be references to body size and weight. This material and these methods are not appropriate for children, pregnant people, or people with certain medical conditions. Please do not attempt these practices without medical supervision as it could be very dangerous. These concepts may also be triggering for people with disordered eating or eating disorders. So please practice discretion before listening to these episodes. Thank you, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Krista Verity, PhD, is a professor of nutrition at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Her research focuses on the efficacy of intermittent fasting for weight management and metabolic disease risk reductions in adults with obesity. She has been studying fasting for over 15 years and is one of the top researchers in this field. Her work is funded by the NIH, American Heart Association, and the University of Illinois. She has published over 100 publications in this topic and is also the author of a book for the general public entitled The Every Other Day Diet. Key takeaways from this episode. Alternate day fasting can be difficult for many people to sustain for a variety of reasons. More people find time-restricted eating, specifically an eight-hour eating window, easier to sustain and adopt in their lifestyle. 
Fasting can lead to reductions in blood pressure, improvements in cholesterol, improved insulin sensitivity, and reduced fasting insulin. People tend to consume about 25 to 30% less calories when they are practicing various forms of intermittent fasting. Do what works best for your lifestyle and what is most sustainable for you. To decrease muscle mass loss during weight loss when practicing fasting, be mindful of protein intake and incorporate resistance training. Exercise is important, can create an energy boost when fasting, and has positive metabolic effects. Time-restricted eating, specifically a six-hour eating window, does not seem to negatively affect female hormones. Enjoy this episode of the fasting series in Veggie Doctor Radio. Dr. Krista Verity, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Hey, thanks so much for having me here today. I'm so excited to learn from you. You have done lots of great work in this area. So I think that there's a lot that you can teach my audience and teach me, obviously. So let's start first with talking about alternate day fasting and modified alternate day fasting. What are they and how are they different? Sure. So alternate day fasting basically just means that someone has a fast day alternated with a feast day. And then so on the fast day, you can either do um, just water fast. So that's called zero. It's also called like zero calorie alternate day fasting. And then the modified version is when you have on the fast day, like a small meal that's around like five or six hundred calories um, as like usually as like a lunch or a dinner. And then with both of those types of regimens on the feast day, you always just can do whatever you want. So you don't have to count calories or, or worry about carbs or anything on that day. Okay. So the key there is that every other day you're doing some sort of fast, whether it's nothing or a little bit followed by just a normal day. Yeah, pretty that's, much. Yeah, right? that's exactly right. Okay. Well, tell us, how did you become interested in this? How did you start researching this topic? I, so I started researching um, intermittent fasting almost 20 years ago now. And basically it started because I was running like calorie restriction studies where I was just trying to have people like lose weight by traditional dieting. And I was looking at like cholesterol metabolism and that kind of thing. Um, and I noticed people really struggled with daily calorie counting. They really hated it. We had a lot of dropouts by like the second or third month of the studies. So I thought, well, do people really have to diet every day to lose weight? Or could you maybe, you know, just kind of heavily diet one day and then just have a day off every other day. And I thought, yeah, maybe people will be able to stick to the the diets longer if they can um, basically have that time off every other day. Um, but uh, that turned out to not be correct. Um, <laughs> people find alternate day fasting, honestly, kind of tricky. I know we'll probably talk about that. So I've kind of moved on to study um, time-restricted eating since then. Cool. And at the time that you to study that, were they already doing studies on animal models or did it all kind of start around the same time? They, so when I started, there was probably about a dozen animal model studies kind of that came out in the nineties and the early two thousands. Um, and then there was, I believe just one human study that was looking at the zero calorie alternate day fasting and it lasted for two weeks, but it showed a lot of really amazing benefits. Um, but it was done in lean people. So just like normal weight people. Um, and I wanted to see, um, if it could be used as like a weight loss strategy. So we were the first, um, lab group to see if it worked. Yeah. in people with obesity. City. Well, let's talk about the health and metabolic benefits that you found with alternate day fasting, whether it's modified or zero calorie alternate day fasting that you've discovered through your research. 
Sure. So I, our group has only done the modified version. So we always let people have, you know, kind of like a lunch or a small lunch or a dinner on those days. But I can definitely comment on all the kind of absolute, the zero calorie ones. They, they tend to, it's interesting. They actually tend to produce the same amount of weight loss and the same metabolic benefits. And I don't know exactly what's going on. You'd expect if someone's like skipping a whole day of eating, you'd get faster weight loss compared to like eating 500 calories a day. But, um, but yeah, they tend to both produce weight loss anywhere from like three to 7% of body weight. Uh, we see those kinds of reductions after about three months. And then if the study is continued out to a year, sometimes you see a bit more weight loss. Some studies don't, but it can, you can get all the way up to like 10% weight loss with um, both those types of intermittent fasting. Um, and then we do typically see reductions in blood pressure, uh, more often systolic than diastolic. And um, we also see sometimes LDL goes down and triglycerides go down. So LDL is the bad cholesterol. Um, we don't really see any changes in HDL, but that usually only changes with like exercise. So you want HDL to increase. And um, yeah, we don't really see that with um, with fasting. Um, but you know what? It's, it's really highly variable if we get cholesterol changes. And that's because a lot of our participants are on cholesterol-lowering medications. So they're already, even though a lot of these people have obesity or all of them do, um, their cholesterol levels are usually kind of in the normal range just because they're on like statins. So if you're already in the normal range, it's really hard to kind of move those, those indicators. Um, so yeah, those are kind of like the heart disease benefits. And I think the major thing that all the intermittent fasting, um, strategies are doing though, is helping prevent type two diabetes. So we see kind of dramatic reductions in fasting insulin, uh, in people with obesity and pre-diabetes. And then we also see um, insulin resistance go down. So people's, it basically just means like people can put away sugar a lot easier into their cells um, when they're doing intermittent fasting. So those, I say those are like the key parameters. And um, I know I get questions about like cancer, um, but sorry, I don't, there's still like not enough studies in that area. And I'm not, yeah, not super familiar with all, all the studies, the, the kind of like smaller studies that have come out. So can't comment on that. Yeah. But even if it were just insulin resistance and diabetes, that's huge. That's huge because yeah. it's an epidemic. It's something that's becoming even more and more common, younger and younger ages, larger percentages of people. So even if it could just be that one thing, it would be worth it, you know, to continue to learn about it and study it. And for some people integrate it into their lifestyle. So when it comes to these benefits, based upon your knowledge and your research and experience, is it coming solely just from the calorie restriction and or weight loss? Or is there something else altogether that's happening that is improving metabolic function in these study participants? I So I personally believe the whole reason that these diets work for anything is just because people are eating less. Um, we just document that they tend to eat about 25 to 30% less with the various um, intermittent fasting strategies. And because of eating less, then they're losing weight, you know, because it just changes the energy balance equation. Um, and yeah, I think it's all mediated through weight loss and visceral fat mass reductions, which is like body, just belly fat reductions. Um, 
So that in, in my point of view, I, I heard that you said that you're going to do, you're interviewing a lot of di different intermittent fasting researchers. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see yeah, how, how it varies from person to person. Um, I think some people think ketones play a role, but I just don't think people are really fasting long enough for ketones to be that beneficial. Um, you know, with alternate day fasting, people are still eating over the course of a few hours. So maybe they're fasting for 20 hours, but for most people, it takes like two to three days to get like full-blown ketosis. So anyway, yeah, but I, I really think it's all mediated through the weight loss. Yeah, I know that. So I integrated time-restricted eating into my lifestyle, mainly because I was having symptoms of inf inflammation. And so I was starting to have joint pains, lots of fatigue. Like basically I would get up in the morning and everything hurt, like my feet hurt, my joints hurt, everything hurt. And I was like, okay, there's something going on here. And really within a week, I had dramatic improvements. So I know that for me, there there's something else happening there, whether it's that I was overloading my body with calories or something, it was giving it space to do something good there, um, which is what provoked my interest in fasting and learning more about it for the health benefits, because obviously that's not enough time to have significant changes in your fat mass or, you know, your body weight, your body size, but it, it had a dramatic effect on my life and the inflammation I was feeling in my body. So it is, it's interesting though, because I think that it can be approached in so many different ways. And, you know, your approach has definitely been, um, something that can benefit some people and, and there's other approaches as well. So what do you think are the, we'll start with the practical advantages of this type of fasting for the average American before we get into some of the, the obstacles <laughs> and stumbling blocks. What do I think of the practical advantages? Um, yeah, I think so for alternate day fasting specifically. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think, I think having that day off every other day is great. So you can, you know, if you have a party that just happens to land on that feast day, as we call it, you don't have to worry about counting calories or worrying about, yeah, any kind of like food intake issues um, surrounding like social eating. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the main benefit to it. And, you know, people like the simplify, they feel just like how simple intermittent fasting is in general. That goes for like time restricted eating as well. Like you don't have to count calories, you don't have to count carbs. Um, you just have to like basically just like follow these these fasting approaches and they're very yeah very very simple so I think yeah those are probably the main yeah. ones and they're also very like when it comes to time restricted eating more so they're very accessible like literally if you have access to the time you can do these diets you don't have to buy expensive products or anything so I think yeah it's got a lot of benefits yeah for sure Okay. So in your book, you talk about, which I was super shocked and you've alluded to already at the beginning of this interview that eating a small amount. So y'all set it at 25% of calories, which quick question here, is that 25% of what a person should be eating for their body size or 25% of what people usually, because I think that most people probably are eating, most adults are probably eating more than 2000 calories a day. I'm thinking, but anyway, so you, you about 25%, which is about 500 <laughs> calories seems to be better than just a complete water only fast as far as weight loss, at least. 
uh, maybe in some other ways, but can um, you explain why that might be? Um, sorry. So I'm not sure I, so my book's like almost 10 years old. So there's been a lot of, um, <laughs> I actually don't remember what I said about that, but, uh, so the question was whether or not like the modified version is better than the zero calorie version. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it is honestly. Like I think now that there's been a lot more research coming out in humans and both those diets, we're really seeing like similar weight loss and similar metabolic improvements that are driven by the weight loss. So, um, I, yeah, I wouldn't say like, I think the main thing people have to do is just do what works for their lifestyles. And I know mm -hmm. that some people have a really hard time with modified alternate day fasting because they feel like if they eat a little bit on that day, it makes them like super hungry. And then they're just obsessed with food for the rest of the day. Whereas some people just find So those people tend to find it way easier to actually just water fast all day because it doesn't like trigger like a hunger response and the body just never gets into that. So I think, yeah, those that's kind of what we learned, I guess, since I wrote that book. Sorry, I, <laughs> I do forget what I said in there. But um, but yeah, the research has really evolved. And um, I'm actually I'm writing a new book right now that will come out um, in the summer in Australia, and then hopefully in the US in about a year or so. Okay, cool. So then what about muscle loss? Because I know that you covered that. And do you feel that given what we've learned over the past 10 years, that there wouldn't be too significant of a difference as far as muscle loss during water only fasting versus the modified alternate day fasting? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so yeah, they tend to produce the same amount of muscle loss. Like most most um, dietary restriction regimens do. So if you are losing weight, basically 75% of the weight loss is usually as fat mass and about 25% is muscle. Um, just because, you know, your whole body's getting smaller, it's going to draw your, you know, you're drawing from your protein stores, your muscle stores, because you're probably eating a little less protein too, just because by, by the nature of like just eating less food. So they tend to produce the same amount of like the same body composition changes. And that's also on par with like traditional dieting. So um, daily calorie restriction as well. And then um, we've also shown that time restricted eating, they all kind of produce the same kind of body composition changes. The only way to kind of modify that is if you have like a higher protein diet while you're fasting, you can keep a bit more muscle. And then also if you do like weightlifting or like resistance training can help you reduce um, muscle loss. But, um, but yeah, they all, they all kind of do like what I think what I've learned is now that I've studied a bunch of these, they, they kind of all do the same thing. They're, it's just more like different tools and like a doctor's or clinician's toolkit to see like which one works best for someone's lifestyle. Cause they all have kind of like the end result is the same. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. So basically do what works for you and it's probably beneficial to also continue to do resistance training during that so that you mm -hmm. don't lose as much muscle. Cause we know that muscle is metabolically active. We want to keep it on our bodies. It's good for us as we age, it's going to help decrease our risk of dementia and all of those things. So we don't want to lose too much muscle mass as we're exploring some of these different options for our health. So let's talk about some of the disadvantages or maybe some of the ways that you have found in your experience that study participants might find it difficult to stick with the alternate day fasting. I know for me, for sure, I'm definitely the kind of person that I can't do a modified thing because if I eat, I can't, I'm a volume eater. So it's like oh, okay. teasing my body to eat a certain amount exactly. and I just 
feel more hungry. I'm just like, give me the rest of my food. <laughs> so, so it's hard for me to just have a small portion, um, which is likely why I was probably over consuming calories in the first place, right? Because I'm a volume eater. So what other issues have study participants run into when they tried this regimen? Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. So we've been in our new practice location for about three months now, and it's feeling so good. We love it here. We have more space. We're able to spread out. We don't have to worry that our patients are going to be waiting around in the waiting room because we have more exam rooms and things are going really well. I signed a 10-year lease to be in this space. So when I started making changes and making decisions about what I wanted to bring with me, not just the energy, not just the love and the compassion that I wanted to bring into this space. I also thought about the technology. I was really deliberate about this. And I'm telling you, I probably stressed out my staff so much because I changed everything at once because I was thinking long-term. What is the technology that's going to support our values, but that's going to be able to evolve with us and my electronic medical record, my electronic health record, my EHR had to be something that changed because what I had before was not working out for us. It was causing a lot of frustrations and things were just getting worse. So I was very deliberate about choosing a technology partner that is going to grow and gonna support me. And then I felt confident, yeah, I can be with this provider I can be with this technology for a while and I and I have trust I have confidence that it's going to grow with me and so that partner is TriMed you've heard me talk about them before thank you TriMed for sponsoring this podcast episode but I will tell you that I'm genuinely surprised because if you're a healthcare provider you know that there's never been like a system that you loved, right? Like, it's just like, they're all like, okay, they're either okay or they're horrible. Yeah, they're like, yeah, it's fine. It's livable or we hate it. That's usually how it goes. But TriMed has been great. We're just so happy with it. And even if there are things that don't quite work for our practice, we can usually get those things tweaked. We can make it work for us. And I'm confident that we're going to be able to partner with them for the long term in a way that supports us, our values, our patients, our families, what we want, what we want to bring, the quality that we want to exude, the efficiency. We want to be able to get all of that done so that we can spend more time face-to-face -face with patients. So TriMed has been that partner. TriMed is that partner that I know is going to be able to evolve with us. And I'm just so happy I found them. So if you are a healthcare provider, particularly if you're a pediatrician, because they are so pediatric friendly, whether you're a solo provider or you're part of a larger practice and you're ready to ditch your EHR for something better, look at TriMed. You can find them at trimedtech.com, T-R-I-M-E-D-T-A-C-H.com. Look into them, look into all of the reviews, what people are saying, 
call other practices. You can call me if you want to talk about it. I'm happy to tell you about our experience with TriMed. But like I said, we're so happy and I feel very confident and I feel supported. I feel cared for. And that's what's very, very important for me as a business owner and as somebody that wants to provide excellent service and quality of care for my patients. So check them out, trimedtech.com. I'd say, so to be totally honest with you, I, I really, I, I, I probably won't be running many more alternate day fasting studies because we do have very high dropout rates. We have, it's about 30 to 40% mm-hmm. of people drop out just because, you know, it does work for somebody, for some people, like, but 500 calories every other day is pretty tricky. And I think the major complaint we get is one, hunger for sure. Uh, we try to give people ways of dealing with the hunger by like chewing sugar-free gum or, you know, like consuming tea or coffee or hot beverages. Sometimes that helps to make people feel a bit fuller, but um, yeah, it, it honestly, it, it seems really tough for people. And then it's also um, like socializing is really tough. So, you know, if your fast day happens to fall on your friend's birthday party, then, you know, what, like we do allow people to move the fast days around sometimes, but in general, it's really hard for like social scheduling too. So, so now, yeah, I, I think the one that we're studying mainly right now is, is an eight hour eating window. And we find people just love that one. Honestly, it's as, as you know, because like America's kind of like pretty excited about time restricted eating right now. Um, but yeah, people can just stick to that better. It's way easier to socialize because you can kind of move the window around a little bit. So, um, yeah, so sorry, I don't mean to like poo poo on alternate day fasting. It was like my baby for so long, but I'm just being honest with like, you know, after like looking at these diets for 20 years, it seems like some people do really like them, but I'd say most people would rather do time restricted eating. Yeah, no, I want to know the honest truth. And I think that's the beauty of science is that that's the purpose, right? You learn these things and you learn what works and what doesn't work. And obviously it's going to work for some people, but it sounds like for a lot of people, it doesn't fit into their lifestyle. I know I read that you had been looking into water only fasting as a way to also fight inflammation. What do you think about doing water only for inflammation versus doing like a small amount of calories. Is there any research on that when it comes to human studies or what are your thoughts on that? So I, um, I haven't actually done any water only studies. I'm not sure. Um, also with inflammation, we were just about to publish a review on that. Um, and sadly, intermittent fasting doesn't really decrease inflammation when measured in, um, clinical trials like CRP, C-reactive protein goes down a little bit with alternate day fasting, but you need to have like at least like 10% weight loss to see those changes. But Mm -hmm. interestingly with time restricted eating, it, it doesn't seem to go down from the data we have so far, but those are people that are generally healthy to begin with. Um, so for water fasting, the the person that is really advocating that is you probably know Jason Fung, um, or maybe you don't. He's like a Canadian doctor that is, um, I think he's a nephrologist actually, but he advocates yes. it for people with diabetes. And I, I don't know, there's not a lot of science behind it, honestly. So one of the next review articles my team wanted to write is to really like dive into the water fasting literature and see if, um, you know, water fasting for short periods of time. So just water for like three to five days is helpful. Like, what does it do? Is it safe mainly? 
Um, and then the only other water kind of fasting data I know of is done by this group in Germany, um, Andreas Mikkelsen's. He's a he's an MD that has the, this like fasting institute actually, where people come in and do like medically supervised fasting. I think for about like three weeks or so, but they do consume like a little bit of bone broth or something. Um, and I think it's mainly for weight loss and for health benefits, but he's shown that when it's medically supervised, it, it's safe. Um, but it, I think it's like extremely expensive. Like I think, you know, it's like, a, it's like a hotel almost. So it's like a fancy hospital hotel and then you go in there and, um, but people do like shed a lot of weight and then, you know, that can help um, just basically correct like insulin resistance and, and problems that people may be having. Let's talk about what we eat. In your book, I, I think one of the selling points of it was that people can eat whatever they want on their feast day. But I would love to know, does what we eat, do you think it matters or, or not too much if when we're not fasting? And do you think that results like either metabolic results, health results, or long term health with these things can be impacted by our food choices? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, it's funny because I'll, I'll like talk to like top nutrition researchers and I'll be like, so what do you think? Do you think like what we eat actually matters or is it just like the quantity? Um, I think quantity, just from what I've seen so far, is the most important thing. So even if you're eating a ton of super healthy foods, if you're overeating and if you become obese, that's like a problem. Um, so I think the first thing people should try to do is just like lower their calorie intake, try to get it into, you know, the range so you can be in like a normal BMI range. Um, but, you know, healthy foods are obviously extremely important. Like, I think we just, I think nutrition research is really flawed in the sense that we just don't have a good way of measuring what people are eating. So we completely rely on food records, which is like somebody's deciding what they want to tell us, you know, but we are all wearing like white lab coats and they don't want to say that they had like a bag of Doritos last night or something because they're in like a weight loss study. So we always get these like beautiful food records um, or, you know, people are eating like 800 calories a day, but somehow still like gaining weight or something. So I think, yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're going to have to figure out a better way to like actually measure people's food intake so we can then correlate it with um, health risk and changes in disease states and that type of thing. So, but I know that the general public gets so frustrated with that because it it just like flip-flops you know like 50 years ago it was like cholesterol is like eating cholesterol is like terrible and now it's like it's actually okay and then like red wine and coffee it's like flip-flopping back and forth so in all honesty like I think eating fruits and vegetables and less processed foods is definitely very important and you should try to emphasize that but if you can only do one thing like you know we always tell people just one step at a time try to just eat less of whatever you're eating first and then try to modify uh, your diet quality after yeah and, you know, for some people, it's easier to change what they're eating just because what you're eating can be a vehicle to eating less, right? Because whole foods are lower in calorie density. Naturally, ultra-processed foods are so calorie-dense. And I think that's mm -hmm. what makes it difficult to really even realize how much you're eating. Like, I know that the average adult's not eating only 2,000 calories a day. I mean, you even forget <laughs> the stuff you're drinking because everybody's drinking these like... Starbucks things that are probably 800 <laughs> calories each on their own. And you're not even thinking about that, right? So it's it like you're taking yeah. in so many more calories than you even realize you're eating. And so it's just so easy to overconsume when you're surrounded by ultra processed foods and, you know, sugary beverages and, and all of those things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. 
So let's switch gears and talk about physical activity. So is it important and how does it impact the effects of fasting? Uh, I well, I think physical activity on its own, it's kind of like eating a healthy diet is is important. Like, it, you know, physical activity itself will help. All It has all these cardiovascular benefits like lowering blood pressure and, you know, it can help increase HDL cholesterol, the good cholesterol, and it can also help with like glucose regulation. Um, but I don't think I don't think it you know, I don't think you have to do it with alternate day fasting or time restricted eating to see benefits. Um, I think, again, like people just need to take it like one step at a time. So if they could even just, you know, eat a little bit less or just do fasting, that's great. And once they get into the hang of that, like maybe add exercise onto that afterwards. But um, it's always important to remember that exercise itself doesn't result in a lot of weight loss. Like people just lose like one to 2% of body weight often because um, they just get kind of hungry and they, you know, it's really easy to eat 200 calories um, takes about two seconds. You know, <laughs> if you have like a chocolate bar or something or like literally like 30 seconds and then um it takes you know it takes an hour on an elliptical trainer to burn that off so it's it's tricky um but we have run exercise studies with fasting and we find that people can do exercise while fasting like with alternate day fasting um they actually feel a boost of energy on fast days interestingly so they a lot of them prefer to exercise on that day uh that kind of surprised us when we started running these um kind of diet and exercise studies combined but um but yeah, definitely. Like right now, we just tell people try to get your like 150 minutes, which is like, you know, the most the basic like medical guidelines right now, 150 minutes per week of like brisk walking or jogging, that type of thing. Let's talk about an important topic in the fasting community, which is that of female hormones. And one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on was to address this topic because you will hear lots of different opinions. People say mm -hmm. women should never fast because it's going to ruin your hormones forever and everything's going to go bad. But you've actually done research in this area. So tell us what you've researched about it and what you found about how fasting affects female hormones. Sure. So yeah, we I did notice that that is like a huge topic. Um, and I think a reason it's a huge topic is because it was about like seven or eight years ago, a mouse study or a rat study came out that showed that rats that were doing alternate day fasting had like horrible changes, like their their like fertility hormones and stuff just like plummeted. Um, but the problem with that study was that it wasn't really communicated well to the general public. Like that study was done in like three month old rats, which is actually like a nine year old female and obviously you wouldn't want like a nine-year-old girl who's like potentially just about to start puber puberty to like start fasting or like really restricting calories so i think that's what resulted in those changes and then interestingly there's only been a very small like just a handful of studies that have looked at it so we ran a study looking at how um time-restricted eating so eating specifically in a six-hour window how that affects um female hormones in both premenopausal and postmenopausal women and we saw that basically um, hormones did not change. So we didn't see any changes in like estrogen. Um, we didn't see many changes in like testosterone or anything because women also make like small amounts of testosterone. Um, but we did see very minor decreases in um, DHES. I always get that wrong. The, um, uh, yeah, I always like get the... Um, 
sorry, DHEA, um, which is basically like a precursor for estrogen. We saw minor decreases of about 10% in, um, in premenopausal women. So that can be, I think some people get a little nervous about that, um, but because they, they often prescribe that to women for fertility, but basically it just went down very in a very small way and it wasn't clinically significant. And then we talked to different doctors that uh, like gynecologists and they said, well, you know what, I'd actually see that more as a positive thing because that's considered a risk factor for um, different types of like female cancers. So when that goes down, it's actually a bit better. Um, but then also to clarify, there hasn't been, I think people are really worried about like fertility with fasting. Um, like, oh, it's going to not help me. You know, I'm going to have problems getting pregnant if I fast, but, um, there's no, well, just to put it out there, there's no studies at all looking at how fasting affects fertility. Um, we're hoping to run one pretty soon. Um, but other than that, I, yeah, I'm not sure everyone got really freaked out about it. And I, I, I think it came from that rat study originally, but there's nothing in like the scientific evidence to show that it, it's like really like messing up female hormones at all or male hormones for that, for that matter. So I, I, I don't know where it came from, but we definitely, we published that study just to be like, okay, let's see what actually happens. And when we found out it's like, basically nothing changes, we we're pretty happy. Um, and then, sorry, just to also say with fertility, you know, people's fertility can actually improve with weight loss. So that's one thing we, we say, you know, it, it's probably, you know, if you're losing weight, you're, you know, everything kind of comes back into balance and it may actually help you conceive more so than if you were a bit heavier. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And that key word is balance because a lot of women, especially if you're met you know, you're metabolically unhealthy, you can actually have estrogen dominance. And so your estrogen levels could be too high. So, you know, maybe overall, they came down to a normal or, you know, more healthy level with the fasting. So just to clarify, you said that the length of the study was three months? For this one, it was just two months. Two months. And then it was yeah. a six hour feeding window. That's right. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And I think I feel like the reason that people get really uptight about this is because there's this belief or idea, I guess, that we've learned since we were little that stress affects like our periods and, you know, like your period might go off if you're too stressed and well, fasting is a stressful thing because you're restricting calories. And if you're stressing your body too much, then that's going to affect your hormones. I feel like that's kind of the line of thinking because oh, that's I see it yeah. for people of all ages. Like I see it of people that are, you know, I'm definitely not having babies anymore, but I, I see it a lot for women my age, like that premenopausal, oh, it's too much stress on the body. It's going to quote, ruin your hormones and things are going to get out of whack, but nobody really says what out of whack means. It's just like, things just yeah. go bad, you know? So, so it's good to know that there's somebody actually doing research in this area and looking at it because I feel like if, uh, if we did it, so weren't somehow able to adapt to it, there wouldn't be 8 billion people on this planet right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause there were periods of famine, there were periods of stress. It was like literally part of normal life. So exactly, we're resilient, yeah. resilient human beings. 
And then if you're on, if you're doing like time restricted eating, like if you're doing like an eight hour window, which is much easier. Um, and some people find a six hour window fine. Like it's, it, it stops to become stressful because like your body's like circadian rhythm, like adjusts to it. So you're not like always hungry. So it's not like you're living, you know, cause people do this for like 20 years. So they're not living in like a constant state of stress. Um, but I think, yeah, maybe people are still scared of doing it because of the stress. That's a really good point. I never thought of it that way. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. Yeah, and it is interesting because we eat on average seven times a day now. That's like the average number of eating opportunities that people have <laughs> compared to like 60, 70 years ago where we were eating on average three times a day. So for some people, decreasing those uh, that amount of eating will at the beginning feel stressful just because they're used to eating all the time. So mentally, like emotionally stressful, but Physically, it might actually be better for you because when we're eating so much, we're not giving our body the opportunity to do all the other functions it needs to be doing. It's so busy digesting for us all day long. So yeah, it's different kinds of stress. You have emotional stress, physical stress, hormonal stress, whatever. But anyway, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to address that. Um, if you don't mind, I would love to know if you practice time-restricted eating yourself or what your way of eating is, if, if it's something that you integrate into your lifestyle? I do. So I I did alternate day fasting. So I have two kids um, and I did alternate day fasting to kind of like drop the like 10, 15 pounds I gained after pregnancy. And that worked because it was like pretty quick. Um, but I just try to, I, I don't, I kind of don't start eating till like 11 ish. And then I don't eat after dinner. I just try to not eat after dinner, which usually ends around seven. So I'd say I just kind of like naturally practice the eight hour window from like 11 to seven. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that now for years and I find it really helps with just like weight control and, and that type of thing. And I find it pretty easy to do. So, um, but I think a lot of people, you're right though. You mentioned like at the beginning, it is stressful. So I'd say what we have noticed in our studies is the first 10 days, people are like, whoa, this is like a lot. Cause exactly. They, they're so used to like eating like constantly. So, um, but yeah, but once I, you know, after a week and a half or so your body gets adjusted to it and then it gets. Yeah. And I find it frees up your time because you're preparing less meals. It also frees up your mental space. <laughs> so there's lots of advantages to it, actually. I, I love it. I think it's something that's going to be part of my lifestyle forever, but who knows? Things change. Okay. This has been great, Dr. Verity. So I do want to ask you some rapid fire questions, but before we get there, if you could please tell the listeners where they can connect with you, where they can find your first book and 
tell us a little bit more about your next book and what that's going to be about and what projects you're excited about right now. Oh, sure. So uh, yeah, if you want to follow like just for like research updates or, you know, practical tips on how to do intermittent fasting, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Krista Verity. And um, yeah, I do have a book on Amazon now called The Every Other Day Diet, which looked at it kind of summarized our research on alternate day fasting. Um, and then we're releasing a new book um, this summer called The Fastest Diet, which is more of a, like a time restricted eating um, book and just talks in general about how to use that for weight loss and metabolic improvements. Um, and then, sorry, what was the last question? Oh, what, like projects we're um, excited about? Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, we're finishing up a lot of studies. Well, starting some and finishing up some. So we just finished a year long trial of like the eight hour eating window compared to traditional dieting. Um, and we just wanted to see, you know, if you eat in an eight hour window, do you really like cut out calories just naturally as people say they do? Uh, it turns out that they do. So we're hopefully going to get that published soon. Uh, we're also finishing up a study in people with type two diabetes to see if it can work to help reverse type two diabetes. And uh, we're starting a study in women with PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, just to kind of dive more into the, the hormones and that type of thing with intermittent fasting. Oh, I love that. I'd love to hear more about that when you have your, your data analyzed and, and get all sure. that back, because that sounds really exciting. Awesome. That's great. So are you ready for the rapid fire questions? So you want me to answer in like five words or so? is that how it works or yeah or... like a sentence sentence ish oh, okay <laughs> one sure, word yeah. no, I'm just joking uh, yeah <laughs> no like a sentence no. yeah okay <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing about fasting how simple it is and that you don't have to buy a bunch of fancy food products what's your biggest fasting pet peeve such as a myth misconception or misuse of fasting I think uh, a pet peeve is that people think it, it messes up their metabolism, which it doesn't. Basically, when someone loses weight, their metabolic rate, which is their calorie needs, goes down, but it goes down the same with any diet. And what's one thing you want people to understand about fasting? Uh, that it works. I think there's a lot of, right now, there's a lot of people that are like really second guessing it just because of news articles coming out, but it does work for weight loss. It's not magical. You know, you'll lose like anywhere from like 10 to 25 pounds. Um, so it works. And yeah, you should try it if you think you can fit it into your lifestyle. I love it. Well, Dr. Krista Verity, thank you so much for everything that you do. I'm excited about your upcoming book and all the exciting research that you have ongoing and about to start. I really appreciate you. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thanks so much. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.